fellowship. Amen. I'm encouraged by the fellowship. You, you guys um, are used by God to uh, lift me up and encourage me. Uh, Pepal Gudger and Mary Francis, I'm very thankful to see you tonight, too, as you've been so faithful in this revival because you guys are overseers in my heart over this ministry. And so uh, that's how I feel. That's true to my heart. And I'm thankful uh, for your presence here tonight uh, because I feed from, from your ministry and your wisdom. Uh, I want to uh, want to minister to, to you all tonight with the Lord's help um, because there's a lot of news in the world today. There's a lot of things that are said and there's things being redefined and uh, I don't need to go far into that, but there's a lot of people with power, with platforms, uh, with um, uh, camera time, and they're changing, uh, trying to input ideas into the, head, the minds of the people of America, of the world, and trying to change our perception, our idea of uh, fundamental base things like love, yeah. Yeah, like love. Yeah. And uh, I'll, uh, the message that's on my heart tonight is hearing about God versus hearing God. So I wanted to uh, minister to that, and I don't anticipate, based on my ideas, but it usually doesn't go that way, um, based on my ideas, I don't anticipate this will take long, but I believe it'll be rich. It's been rich, and I boast in the Lord for that, um, because uh, I intend only to preach His Word. So... Um, uh, if you would, open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 6. We're very familiar with what's taking place here. This is the scene of the Garden of Eden with uh, the serpent and Eve and the dialogue between those two. And uh, there is uh, a, a dilemma that comes up here that changes our lives forever. Changes our lives forever. There was a great need in the world, in humanity, because of what's about, what we're about to read about. And you know what I'm talking about. So let's go to Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. And uh, I know this is a, sort of a change of pace. I'm not Bishop Marcus. None of us are. Uh, we're not, not Papa Gudger, but we're going to preach the Word of God. So uh, I'm not discouraged anything or measuring myself with man. I'm just saying beware because it, it's going to be different tonight uh, just because uh, God has fashioned us all to have specific, um, specific uh, deliveries and giftings. So uh, tonight, uh, the Lord will minister His way with His Word, and it'll, it'll build up the church. Amen. Verse 1. Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And He said unto the woman, Yea, had God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said unto the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest ye die. So we need to ask one question. The obvious question is, uh, we, we've heard many um, sermons that pointed out that Eve reworded what God said. And we're going to touch that in just a moment. But my first question is, how in the world did Satan convince Eve to turn on God when she was in a perfect environment? How in the world did he convince her? How did he get through to her? How did it work? And we just want to look at that uh, for just a moment. 
This may seem insignificant, but it gives us a clue as to why the serpent targeted Eve instead of Adam. Amen? Amen. So, um, Eve had not yet been created when Adam received the original command directly not to eat of the uh, tree of the knowledge of good and evil. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, it says, The Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. It never said, don't touch it. But I can just see Adam, whether it was months, whether it was just a couple of days, whether it was the next day, or whether it was years. I don't know how long it was after the command that God gave to Adam that Eve had this conversation with Satan. I don't know how long it was. But I do imagine uh, Adam saying something like, don't go near that tree, don't even touch it. Don't even touch it because sometimes we say that to our kids or sometimes we say that to someone we care about and we say just don't even touch it. Don't go near it. It's, there's, there's, we, we talk about it like it's a danger and the tree was not dangerous but it was forbidden. Amen? It, it was, uh, the tree itself wasn't dangerous but there was a knowledge inside of it that, um, that God wanted to protect his children from. So... Um, what we need to understand is there's two different kinds of knowledge that Adam and Eve have right now. Adam has one kind of knowledge, and Eve has another kind of knowledge. We don't have scripture that says that God told Eve. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, Eve had not yet been created. Some of us know that, and some of us, that might be the first time we're hearing that. But Eve had not yet been created, so this is a one-on-one conversation between God and Adam. That's direct knowledge from the Lord. He was getting a direct communication, a direct command from the Lord. And then whenever, we have no scripture that says God told Eve. We don't. Later on in chapter 2, we find that God didn't find it right for man to be alone. So he put Adam into a deep sleep, removed a rib, created Eve. And then here we are. We have man and woman. But we don't have scripture that says God told Eve. So to get right to the point... Eve had a communicated knowledge. That's what we'll call it. Adam had a revealed knowledge because it was straight from the Lord. And Adam had a communicated knowledge that was from God and he communicated it to Eve. Does everybody understand? Amen. So there's two different kinds of knowledge. There's revealed knowledge and then there's communicated knowledge. Communicated knowledge is when we hear something about God from another, not from God. Now, that's not to say that if you listen to a podcast that the person who's preaching isn't preaching the Word of God or preaching under the Spirit or the direction of the Holy Spirit or the Lord. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying the voice you hear is not God's voice. It is a man's voice. Can we agree with that? So I'm not, I'm not putting a black flag or, or painting black uh, the, the concept of of reading a book or uh, uh, by a Christian author or a minister or anything like that. I'm just saying we're not, it's not a direct experience or encounter with the Lord whenever we hear a minister. Right now, you're getting communicated knowledge. Right now. But we're going to get further into it and see how can we have communicated knowledge become revealed knowledge. How could Eve had received revealed knowledge about God's commandment rather than misunderstanding it and saying, I can't even touch that tree. 
that was causing a fear and a, 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 a sort of a sense of beware against that tree. Amen. So let's move a little forward. Uh, turn to Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. Amen. In the light of revealed knowledge and communicated knowledge, we want to talk about Jesus when he was sitting with his disciples. And he asked them, what do the peop- who do the people say that I am? So in verse 13, it, it says, When Jesus came into the coasts of Caesarea Philippi, he asked the disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I am? This, who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And in verse 14, they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, some Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And Jesus said unto them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Verse 18. And I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock I shall build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Say amen right there. Amen. Amen. That's tough. Because Peter revealed the knowledge, and Jesus said, The Father revealed this to you. And upon this rock, Peter, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. We can, sometimes we read through that, but I want to sort of expose some things in those scriptures. This conversation is monumental. It is huge. We can't pass by it. Because Jesus is asking his disciples, who will soon be preachers in the four corners of the earth, and he's saying, how do you see me? Because you must understand how we see God has a great effect on how we preach God. Amen. Amen? How we see him has a great impact on the message that leaves our lips. So he had to ask the, four, the pioneers of the early church, the, four, the front runners, how do you see me? Who am I to you? But his first question wasn't, who am I to you? It was, what, who do men say that I am? So he wanted to get that out of the way. He wanted to get out of the way communicated knowledge. And after he got that out of the way, some say you're Elijah, Jeremiah. Uh, some say you're the reincarnated John the Baptist. And some say you're one of the other prophets. So when he gets that out of the way, he says, what's been revealed to you? And no one answers except one, Peter. And he says, I believe you're the son of God. And in verse 18, Jesus declares that this type of revelation, this revelation knowledge that Paul talks about in Ephesians, that a spirit of revelation would come upon us and enlighten us, this revelation knowledge is what the church would be built on and that hell's forces could not stop those who possessed it. But on the contrary, like you've, that's what happened with revelation knowledge. But on the contrary, hell's forces could more easily deceive those who only possessed communicated knowledge. What if the disciples began to preach that Jesus was Jeremiah? What if they began to preach in Acts that Jesus was the reincarnated John the Baptist? And he was just a voice in the wilderness making way for the one who was to come. So what if they preached that message and the world was still waiting for one who had already came, died resurrected and ascended into heaven 
Where, that would change everything. This conversation has so much weight to it. Jesus is saying, who do you say that I am? And there's one out of 12. And he says, I believe you're the son of God. And, and Jesus, I believe he knew, he may have knew beforehand, but he definitely knew at that moment, you're the one. I'm going to build my church upon this message, this revelation knowledge, and it'll, it'll start with you, Peter. And he headed the disciples uh, when Jesus ascended. Amen? Amen? It was revelation knowledge. And the danger of preaching who Jesus was through communicated knowledge would have changed us forever. Who knows where we would be today if that had never been revealed if it had never been seen and and peter saw it the father in heaven revealed to peter that is my son he is the christ and jesus said no force in hell can stop the revelation knowledge that has been given to you no force in hell could stop could take hold could possess could steal from you what's been revealed to you amen it's so incredible like it's been told that um you know it's like some people use the phrase, it's like picking up a bicycle, you know, if you've learned how to ride and then you go years without doing it and then you do it again, it's just like picking up a bicycle and riding it again. Or you play a guitar and then it takes a couple seconds, but you get it again. Nobody can cause you to forget. Nobody can cause you to forget that Christ is the, the living God. He is the Savior of the whole world. No one can take that from you. Jesus said so. No force in hell can stop this. And I'm going to build my church upon this. That's amazing. And we attain this knowledge in many ways. However, it comes, um, however revealed knowledge comes, though, the bottom line is that you've heard it from God. See, this is what I wanted to share with you. Um, Communicated knowledge comes by merely hearing and reading someone else's statements about what they've heard from God. And again, uh, as we'll learn in just a minute, this isn't bad podcasts, the preaching, the fellowship, reading books, uh, uh, devotionals, none of that's bad, but it is communicated knowledge because here's what happens. Sometimes I will preach something that God has given me revelation of, and you won't understand it right away. You may preach... Charity, when she, ministered, uh, she preached uh, and taught one of the, le- uh, the lesson of perception... And that took a little time, Charity. I didn't get it right away. So for, there was a season where it was just communicated knowledge. But you know what? Holy Spirit revealed it to me and it became revealed knowledge. It's not got the power until you allow yourself to dig and cause Holy Spirit to reveal it to you. Amen? God's ready because in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, it says that Holy Spirit has revealed all things unto us. It says, eyes not seen, nor ears heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man the things which have been prepared for us in heaven. But the Spirit has revealed them to us. So all we have to do is be led by the Spirit, and we, we get that revelation knowledge. There's things that God reveals to people in here that, just to encourage you, not everybody's going to get it right away. There might be times where there's not, there's not firecrackers, and there's not light bulbs that come on, and You know, you have that potential to get discouraged because they don't have that revealed knowledge yet. But pray for them because when you know that you're sowing into good ground, you know that they will follow the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit will be that spirit of revelation that will bring things to light. 
He will reveal it to us and he will show us the, the things of God that have been ministered in our, in our recent past or maybe a long past and it'll just hit you. Amen. Uh, communication knowledge comes by merely hearing or reading someone else's statements about what they've heard from God. The knowledge can be accurate, but if Holy Spirit doesn't reveal it to you, it can be distorted. That's what happened. That's what happened with uh, Adam, potentially. I mean, we, we could probably safely say that Adam says, don't go near that tree. We can't eat from it. Don't even touch it. I mean, that's not in the scriptures, but I could see him saying that because she drew that idea of what God had said from somewhere. Amen. If we played the telephone game, I was ministering this morning in chaplain, or chapel, and I mentioned if we played the telephone game and I started this funny, hilarious sentence and I started it with charity and we went all the way to Casey, it would get so tangled up because it's communicated knowledge that gets distorted over time. Once you, once you pass it through people, it gets really uh, scrambled up. So that's the potential danger of communicated knowledge, but we're going to find out what we do with that, what we do with it whenever we receive from uh, the listening of a man's voice or reading from commentary and things like that. The Word instructs us. When someone makes comments that oppose the Word of God, they possess communicated knowledge rather than revealed knowledge. You could say that communicated knowledge could be more dangerous than the absence of knowledge. You know, uh, uh, Paul said if uh, anybody preach another gospel, you know, I mean, th we're talking about a, uh, a danger of a false doctrine, a false teaching. Um, but I'll tell you, we recently learned when, I'm, when I ministered a little while ago, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord brings knowledge. And the fear of the Lord, Moses had a fear of the Lord. And Moses was one who said, God... I understand you want to send an angel to lead us into the promised land. But if your, present do, if your presence doesn't go, I'm not going. That's what he said. He said, if your presence doesn't go with us, I'm not going. And God uh, went with them. And to have that fear of the Lord, to have that longing and that yearning, to be with him and to, and to have a fear to be away from him, then and that bringing knowledge, then you understand that when you get that knowledge, when you're with him, things become revealed to you. But when it's just communicated, you could get a totally distorted idea of who God is. You can get a totally distorted idea of his plan for your life, of his, his will for healing, of his will for your provision, of his will for your marriage or your job or your success how long you should live, how you should overcome obstacles and trials and, and things, and how he is uh, one who abundantly gives uh, when you need patience, when you need peace and joy. Um, how we see him is uh, fashioned by the knowledge that we have. In an information-driven world, so much content is communicated, but all of God's truth is revealed by the Spirit if we would just seek him and dig deeply. My last scripture I want to read is in Acts chapter 17, verses 10 through 12. And I want to read where Paul visited the church of uh, Thessalonica, and he, uh, he got kicked out of town. He was preaching, and he was there for a couple weeks, and people were um, uh, receiving the word, 
with great zeal and great encouragement, but there were also people who got really upset with the cause, with the efforts, and uh, they had to hide. Paul, and I believe it was, I believe it was Timothy and uh, Silas or Barnabas, I can't remember. I, I believe Timothy was with them in chapter 17, and uh, they had to hide. It was Silas had to hide in a, a man named Jason's house. And the rioters, the Jews who got upset, they pulled Jason out and they asked him where Paul went. And uh, after that, Paul and Silas was helped by other believers to escape. And they went to a city called Berea. And in verse 10 of chapter 17, we read, The brethren immediately sent away Paul and Silas by night unto Berea, who coming thither went into the synagogue of the Jews. So then, now they've went into another city, and they go into the synagogue to teach, and these were more noble than those in Thessalonica, in that they received the word with all readiness of mind. Now listen to this. They received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether those things were so. And in verse 12 it says, Therefore many of them believed also of honorable women, which were Greeks and of men, not a few, which means there was a lot of them. Now look at verse 11. It says they were in the synagogue in Berea, and there were many noble, and they received the word with all readiness of mind and searched the scriptures daily whether the things Paul and Silas were preaching were true. This is amazing, and it's at face value, it looks like they doubted Paul and Silas in their teaching, but they went into the scriptures because they were so astounded, I believe, because the scriptures say they were open-minded. They weren't closed-minded. They weren't trying to disprove Paul and Silas, but it says they were open-minded with all readiness of mind. That's what, the script, that's what that word means. They were open-minded. And sometimes God sp speaks a bizarre thing and our minds need to be open to the Spirit. It's often that God speaks a bizarre thing because His ways aren't our ways. His thoughts aren't our thoughts. It says He uses the foolish things to confound the wise. Most often, He's going to direct us in a way that don't make sense to us. Because, number one, I think He is entertained by His work. I think He gets great joy and pleasure from how He does things because it blows our mind. And he does bizarre things, and we have to be open-minded about it. A.W. Tozer says that if you um, take a step of faith that you can do in your own might, then is it really faith? Because faith is taking leaps that you need God's help with. But if you're just taking steps that you don't really need God, God's help with, then is that really walking by faith? Because you can do it in your own might. But God wants us to take big steps and being led by his Holy Spirit. Amen. So when we do this, um, whenever we hear the ministering of the word, whenever we hear the preaching, I don't, it don't offend me a bit. If you go home and you sort of prove the sermon. I mean, uh, uh, I believe Paul said in... Uh, Colossians or Philippians he said that you would prove these things that they you would approve these things and he was writing that to that church and he was saying that you would test it that you would challenge it that you would put it to the test and God would come through and it's it's not so much tempting God or uh, I don't I don't believe it's anything like that I believe from the right heart from the right posture 
you're saying, this is so good, I got to see this for myself. I got to dig deeper and let this be revealed to me. And the scripture says, if you read the spirit of the verses, it says, they receive the word in openness of mind. They search the scriptures daily. And many of them believed. And there were honorable Greeks, not Jews, Greeks, Gentiles, who were once afar off, not under the promise, not with a covenant with God. And they came to believe in the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ because it was revealed to them. It says that people came, that Paul and Silas came to preach, and then they had an open mind, and they searched the scriptures daily to see, is this really everything Paul and Silas say it is? Not so much, is it true, but, oh my gosh, this sounds too good to be true. Like Brother Will said, that too good to be true gospel. It's like that. It's like, I can't believe that there's a God that loves me this much. A God that loves me in spite of my blank, blank, blank. You know what I mean? Have you ever had those days? Have, have you ever, have, are you still having days where you have to pinch yourself? And you're like, I can't believe that as awful as this day's been, as horrible as I've handled things, I still have a God who loves me so richly and so deeply. And he gives me the hope and the strength to overcome these things. Are you still pinching yourself? Are you still coming back to that? Are you still sharing in Christ at the beginning of your salvation where you, where you had to pinch yourself and you say, I can't believe this is true? And of course you don't mean I don't believe, but you're saying from your heart, this is amazing. This is amazing. And God has given you a, reveal, a revealed knowledge because you've dug and you've seeked him out and he's revealed it to you. You're not just hearing it, but you're seeing it in your heart. It's being revealed to you. It's amazing. So it doesn't offend me at all if you go home and you challenge this sermon. If you challenge every sermon, you know what? Because God gets glory out of that. He is looking for the opportunity um, where his people seek him out and he can show up and he can reveal himself. I remember when I was... And, I, and I'm closing here. If you want to stand, you can, and, and we'll pray together. And I'd like to pray for Pastor Kim and Pastor Bill before we leave. But uh, uh, something that I'll never forget is when I was first starting in fellowship with this ministry, and I was living in Madisonville. I was sharing an apartment with Clinton. I remember no one was in the apartment, and I turned the lights off, and I'd been talking with Pastor Kim about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I hadn't been baptized yet. I remember this though. I remember sitting in my hotel, uh, in my apartment room, in my bedroom, had the lights off, and I was playing uh, the Glorious Unseen, a band you've heard them sing "Forever Holy." Uh, we play their song here, and Fresh Fire does a sign to it. And I was playing that song, and I began to shut my eyes, and I simply asked the Lord, "Is all this true?" Because I can't tell you how much more had been. St- poured into my mind in just two or three weeks that I had never heard of. Casey knows exactly what I'm talking about. Amber, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Coming from a Baptist upbringing, we were learning at such a rapid rate things we had never, ever heard before. Not just some things that scared us or things that were preached against, but even things that we had never heard before. And I just closed my eyes, and I said, Lord, is this real? And out of that simple question, out of the hunger and the yearning in my heart, 
God revealed himself to me. And I've not doubted the Holy Spirit. I've not doubted his, his ever-present um, help walking with me all the time. I've not doubted it. I've not doubted prayer language. I've not doubted the power of the indwelling and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I've not doubted the power of grace. I mean, in, in regards to is it real? There's been days where my thinking has been challenged, you know, because Satan wants to condemn us. But ultimately, I'll tell you, from that day, I, I grew to believe because it was revealed to me. And that's the difference between revealed knowledge and communicated knowledge. Preaching of the word, it is, it is called by God. It is a gift of God, the preaching of the word. There's nothing dangerous about it uh, in, in, the, in the trueness and the purity of it. There's nothing wrong with Books and podcasts, they're gifts from God. But you know what? What if we as Christians only listened to podcasts for the rest of our life and we never prayed? What if we listened to, what if we read uh, commentaries and books by uh, Joseph Prince and Joel Osteen and, and uh, many others who put out a lot of books and a lot of books? And what if we, what if we just read their books and we never opened the Word and we never prayed? You know, what if we did that? Because we serve a God who wants personal relationship. See, that's what I'm getting at. When we get in that revealed knowledge, that's evidence that we have seeked Him. Even if under the preaching of the Word right now, God has revealed it to you, that's because you seeked Him. It wasn't because I was preaching. It wasn't me. It was because you asked of the Lord and He revealed it to you. And that's personal. That's personal relationship. And that's the amazing thing about the church of Berea, about Peter. God had revealed it to him. So without any more, uh, I want to ask everybody to come up. And we're, if you don't mind, we're going to join hands. And we're going to pray for Pastor Kim and Pastor Bill. And we're going to give God thanks. Because Bishop said about a week ago that every service we would pray for Kim. And uh, I'd like to honor that because I believe he um, he called for that under the direction of the Holy Spirit. And uh, Papa, if you would, I, I mean that's uh, that's your daughter and your son-in-law, and I'd ask that you'd pray. Well, let's give God thanks for the report from Papa and and what God's doing. Amen. When you're ready. Yes. Amen. Bless your name. Amen. 
Amen. God, we just thank you and praise you, Father, for what you're doing. Father, we're not looking back, Father. We're looking ahead, Father, at the time that Tim will be back leading to singing, preaching, and praising. Amen. Thank you, Father. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If anyone has a tithe or offering or gift, get that ready and we'll collect it. Just go ahead and keep the music playing. Thank you. 